and Matt. We're an interracial couple with two kids wanting to do something that highlights the power of friendship and what it means to be in the company of true friends. We're going to move our society away and out of the loneliness epidemic and into a friendlier, happier world. Welcome to our friendly world. Better, stronger, together. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Hello. Okay, guess what? We're going to continue on talking about ethics. Oh, dear. Ethics and the origins of it. We're going to break it down little by little, baby steps. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> there is a lot of noise outside. Sorry. It's a hot, hot day. We have to have the windows open. So you're going to hear screeching, screeching cars and yeah. birds. And screeching birds, exactly. And as soon as I said that, the birds got quiet. Okay. So ethics, where it came from, well, the origins of it, we we're starting to little baby steps, little bites, understand ethics, bringing it back to how it is affecting our friendships, how it is affecting our society, and basically, ultimately, our lives. So let's make things better. Let's make it a better world. Let's try to understand the shenanigans that took place that created the whole basis for ethics. And there you go. Yes. And if you'll remember, ethics is philosophical and it deals, it concerns itself with conduct and questions of good and evil and right and wrong. And but, these are, these can be very distinct things. But I like the definition I found, which once again, I'll repeat, ethical derived from the Greek word ethos, which means character and from the later word mores, M-O-R-E-S, which means customs. Together they combine to define how individuals choose to interact with one another. And there you go. So yes, so in the previous episode, we talked about, boom, come, yeah, initially came down from God, whatever God was at the time. Boom, Plato started to take us away from that. And then it started to evolve in the early Greek kind of traditions. So Plato said, this has nothing to do with the religion. This is something else. Right. So if one of the Ten Commandments I don't believe is right, then it's not right. Mm. You know, because there are these universal truths that take us away from God, which then, I guess, diminishes God on some level. Good job, Plato. So do you think ethics is really uh, rooted in religions to keep people in line? So they're really rules made up by man. You can make these arguments, but you start getting into dangerous ground because when you deal with faith versus the intellect, you're dealing with logic versus emotion. And as we've talked about a billion times, emotion always trumps logic. So be very careful. So wait, which one is emotion? If you have religious based religion, on... Religion, because... Re religious is emotion? Yes. E. Exactly. I thought so faith would be somebody, emotion. And faith is religion. Faith is not religion to me. Faith it, is like faith my own thing. But faith is religion thing. to a lot of people. So again, we... Well, we, maybe we, that's because I don't follow a particular religion. Right. So we need to step lively. All right. Okay. So basically after Plato, we got the Epicureans. And Epicureans, as it turns out, are not these people who enjoy food as they are now. <laughs> so what were they? These were people who pursued pleasure. Okay, mm -hmm. which sounds an awful lot like a hedonist, right? Which is like pleasure at all costs. And that's something we'll talk about later, probably. But the Epicureans, they pursued pleasure. But unfortunately or fortunately, the ultimate form of pleasure to an Epicurean is a tranquility of spirit. Oh. 
And that's what gives them the most. That's what gives somebody the ultimate, theoretically, the ultimate amount of pleasure. It's not having sex for 27 hours or whatever, you know. It's not eating tiramisu. All day, every day. <laughs> no, it, as it turns out. and, and So you know, what is it again? It, they pursue pleasure. So it's the pursuit of pleasure and the avoidance of pain. But what is their um, sense of pleasure again? What was The it? highest sense is actually the tranquility of spirit. The tranquility of spirit. Yes. Isn't that what we really all need and all want, basically? Right? And again, there's other traditions. The Buddhists would talk about that very differently. All right. But that is what an Epicurean does. And also, but what also holds to that as well is it's not about I get ahead at your expense because an Epicurean, theoretically, and again, this is all, you know, we don't have an Epicurean in front of us, so we can't talk about it. But an Epicurean would say that if I can only get ahead by doing something bad to you, I'll dwell on doing something bad to you, which will hinder my tranquility. So again, you know, I'm pursuing pleasure and avoiding pain. Mm -hmm. So in order to avoid pain, if I hurt you, I'm not avoiding it. I'm actually bringing in more pain. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a weird thing, but yeah. So you have the Epicureans and then you have the Stoics. And, and Stoic is actually one of these terms that still works today. And a Stoic is a lot like me. A Stoic is somebody who can eschew or cast aside emotion in favor of logic and reason. And that's the definition today of a Stoic. So they're not really moved by emotional arguments. So a Stoic pursues wisdom and knowledge. And that's what they do. And that is their mode, quote unquote, their mode of ethics. They're pursuing truth, basically, what they believe is truth. Most interesting thing about the Stoics back in ancient Greek days is... They held that all people can do this. And yes, they can. Everybody can pursue wisdom and knowledge. And so, guess what? This has interesting ramifications for Greek society because a slave is the equal of a citizen, which is interesting. The Stoics are the ones who started giving us this sense of all men are equal, mm -hmm. which is a fascinating thing. It takes us away from... You know, you're only equal if you're born into the same faith as me. You're only, you know, all men are equal. So that's fascinating. Are all humans are equal. And there you go. Yes, I know. I was using men in that. Yeah. I was using it in the universal term, but you're absolutely right. It is all people. Human. Um, yeah. All life. So again, very, very interesting point of view. And then going back to the Epicureans, pursuing pleasure, tranquility, uh, Epicureans, gave us now, which is probably the most popular and easily understood version of ethics, they gave us utilitarianism. And utilitarianism is greatest good, greatest number. And then we can, now we can start playing ethical dilemma. But it, it's kind of nice having a philosophy like utilitarianism that can be summed up that way. Greatest good, greatest number. Or, you know, you're quantifying the pleasure are and those, the pain. Are and those, you're not necessarily avoiding the pain, but you're making sure that that pain number is less than that pleasure number. So if that could bring people, I would say men in this case, at war, men, it gives them the freedom in their psyche to say, okay, well, if I kill this many people, it's okay because it's for the greater good. Right, exactly. That is terrible. Mm? So that is, again, a rule made up by man. 
Right. You know, you take a look at something like a... And it's a very limited myopic way of thinking about it. I'm sure there are other ways. Well, yeah, Does it and, always have to and be... And indeed there are, but it, this one is, is succinctly in a sentence. It's hard to... I mean, you can tease it, you can tear it out, but it's easily understood. Hmm. Not for me. Gray's good, Gray's number. No, it's not. it's not so easily understood for me. Well, I don't... Hence the ethical dilemmas and hence the splitting of hairs. Okay, so, you know, ethical dilemma number one. So two countries are at war. And in this case, it was more than two, but America and Japan were at war. Okay, fine. And the war, it's 1945. America has the atom bomb. Do we drop it? Do we not drop it? Okay, if we drop it, it is beyond horrific. It is a terrible thing. It's civilians, it's women, it's children, it's millions of people with one bomb. Again. If we don't, it's millions of Americans and Japanese soldiers fighting over every inch of Japan. Again, that's a very male kind of archetypal, archetypical mm-hmm. male perspective, as in that's the only way to resolve the situation no there's always another way so i would say that was evil unethical right and again we get into welcome back to good and evil killing is wrong yeah that's a pretty simple one right right that's that's real simple killing is evil if you choose good and evil being the ethical viewpoint and then right and wrong is what is it in the moment we do it it's easy to say killing is wrong it's it's a little harder to say if we don't do this horrific thing then this will happen i.e um but that thought is america will have to invade japan that thought is evil yes and i think that our society has always been uh, guided by that man perspective of like throwing down the hammer you know and i think that's how we have raised children is if you don't do this this bad thing is going to happen to you there are consequences whereas there's always a way to figure it out without bringing in that idea of okay i'm going to punish you and it's going to hurt but in the long run it's good for you no I think there's another way. I think that's an out, it should be an outmoded way of thinking and living. And that is why I think there should be a different form of consciousness and a different, a different way to guide society, to have our society be. It doesn't have to be that way. And I think we're all lulled into thinking that that is the way. That is the only option we have is to drop the hammer like that in pursuit of something better. Right. And we're told that to make us feel better. Like, okay, we're going to have to do this in the long run. It will work out for the best. No, it's evil. Right. Right. Exactly. But again, once you start getting into ethics, you deal with these kind of constructed situations and you're offered an A or B choice and life is simple like that. And then you can discuss why you make these choices and how they tie to your ethics. You, you, you go into an ethics class. Oh my God, they love talking about Nazis because Nazis are literally, uh, history's now scapegoat of 
the ultimate evil. Well, it is. It's and not a what they did was an absolutely Watch horrifically what you're terrible You sound thing. like you're empathetic towards the Nazis. And right. I know you're not, so I don't like the way you just phrase that as a Jewish person especially and, that I am. And you're in an ethics class. They love throwing the Nazis around. And, you know, and we should because we shouldn't forget. And that was, it's one of the most current ones aside from Rwanda. You know, like there, there's constantly atro- atrocities mm-hmm. that have happened, even in ever, even after World War Two, even after the, the Nazis. It's it's always happening. I just wanted to make clear that you don't empathize with Nazis. Right. Okay. No, absolutely, absolutely just, clear. Did, and again, I didn't like the wording. You, it's a weird you world had. where we yeah have to go for a way to say these things but anyways we're in a weird world right now we are in a weird world things have to be made absolutely clear right in our communication no, and you're you're absolutely right so again we have now utilitarianism however i forgot we got to spin back to that place that's near and dear to our heart which is nicomachean ethics yay and nicomachean ethics from aristotle is teaching us kind of a moderate path more than anything else. It's not about ultimate pleasure, ultimate pain. It's about finding a place in the middle. It's about moderation in all things. If you wanted to sum it up in a cute little pithy sentence, the same way I summed up utilitarianism. Ironically, moderation in all ways, in all things, means actually moderation in moderation. So sometimes you got to go for it, but not most of the time. Yeah, it's a tough thing to be human. It's not so easy. Right. And and we make our own rules, really, because we are free individuals. Mm-hmm. No matter what, we all have the uh, the choice of free will, right? We have that. We do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, we can go back into what is truly bad, what is truly good. You don't know. We don't know. But we do know what hurts another person. We do know what hurts another living thing. Right. We do know what hurts and what doesn't. And we do know ultimately what makes us as an individual happy versus makes us unhappy, which again starts taking us into uh, an Epicurean point of view, pursuing pleasure, because mm-hmm. I'm going to avoid things that make me feel bad. Yeah. And that's one thing Days of Our Lives has taught oh, me. Dear. <laughs> I'm addicted to this soap opera. Ever <sighs> since I was a kid, I, I stayed home from school one day with the flu and that has sucked me in ever since childhood and now our kids are sucked into it too because of me but looking at a show like a soap opera like that you look at all the pain that is caused by the ethical dilemma it is caused by not telling the truth hiding something really those are the main thing right and, Where, and hurting someone whereas killing someone again an epicurean would say I, I now I'm I'm an epicurean. I need I need to suck it up. I need to tell somebody because I'm gonna feel worse. Yeah. If you I just, don't just to avoid all that pain, I'm never going to lie. I will always communicate and not hurt not hurt anybody if I can. But what if I say, is this a nice hat? And you think it's god awful ugly? What do you say? I don't say it's god awful ugly. I'm like, good for you. <laughs> Who cares about my opinion? What do you think of my hat? What do you care about my opinion? I'm saying ethical dilemma. You start splitting things smaller and smaller and smaller. Is it enough to you know? Save I don't know. Me? Very, very rarely have I said to someone, "That's ugly." <laughs> 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 Unless I'm mad at you, 
I'm like, by the way, that is ugly. <laughs> Does stress make me look fat? No. <laughs> but it's it doesn't uh, suit you, perhaps. You know what I'm saying? It <gasps> I'm needs, so hurt. You need to tailor it. <laughs> no, I'm serious. <laughs> like, if you look at the Kim Kardashians, if you look at the beautiful, curvy women, well, Kim is sometimes not curvy, but I don't know if these girls are starving themselves. It's ridiculous. A human... A human woman is curvy. Hello, you're supposed to have breasts and hips. Hello. But anyway, to, to make you to make yourself look like a prepubescent boy as a woman, there is something pedophilic pedophilically wrong with that. What is that? It it's just don't get me started on that. Where was, where I didn't we, get you started on it, and yet here yeah, we are. Yeah, you did. You did. You did. It, it, <laughs> oh, does this make me look fat? That's all it took. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shoom, she yes. spins off, folks. Yes, because you know, what is that? What is that that we are so obsessed by curves? Does it make me look fat? And so, for me to answer that question, would I tell you that? It's like, no, I wouldn't answer it the way you think I would. But I would say it needs to be tailored. And I'm just saying when you look at curvy actresses, Mm -hmm. they look good. If they wore off the rack what you're wearing, they would look not so great. (laughs) But if they tailor it, which they do, they look phenomenal. Right. I okay okay. If fine. you wear a t-shirt off the rack, yeah, it's frumpy. I always wear t-shirts off the I'm rack. Not to, oh my god! Oh god! Now I look frumpy. <laughs> so there you go. That's how I answer that ethical dilemma right there. Fair enough. Okay, so let's continue on, shall we, on our little history lesson? Okay. And unfortunately, now we have to talk about that. What was once a tiny little subsect, subsect, if you will, of Judaism, known as Christianity. Oh dear. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. I'm biting my lip. There you go. Now, again, this was a tiny little fanatical, yeah, almost cult, if you will, at one point. It was. What? Because there was only like 12 people involved, 13 people involved, Christians. Christians? Christianity. All right. Mm -hmm. Right? Okay. Now, what the Christians gave us, (laughs) because if you start looking at this historical Code of Hammurabi, the Ten Commandments... Wait, can you go back and explain the Code of Hammurabi? Again, this was the initial... How do you spell that? Hammurabi? Yeah. Well, again, it's a Babylonian word, so I can only spell it the way the English people do. Okay. Okay. Can you say it slowly? Hammurabi. Okay. Got it. And this was the original kind of laws that were passed down in Babylon way, way, way back when. Babylon is, of course, Iran, Iraq, um, Tigris, Euphrates River. Or we're talking real early My civilization. Family. Anyways, and then you've got Moses' Ten Commandments. And then what, the, what, the, what this little Christian cult gave us was um, they gave us the freedom of the letter of the law and into its spirit. Because all of a sudden it's like, you know, you do right by, by JC, you're okay. <laughs> and JC, of course, Jesus Christ. But you do right by him and you're okay. Which is interesting. Uh, it's but, interesting but they, they took us that. away why from the letter that? of the law to the spirit of the law. And this is why now, you know, certainly as I think perhaps it should be, but it allows for some compassion inside of laws. And it, it gives kind of the rise of like the judge who's going to then interpret all the circumstances of what it is. I mean, it could be that you're guilty of stealing bread and in exchange or in the 
yeah, in the Japanese tradition, you get accused of stealing a smell. What? You, this was a famous case. Um, Judge Oka, O O O K A is how it is. It is uh, somebody brought a trial to him, where this guy was living above a fish shop, and he would eat his rice when the guy was oh, cooking yeah. the fish, and he yeah. could smell it, so the rice tasted a little better. And so this guy was like, "No, you got to pay me for that." Uh, what? And is this for real, man? Yeah, this is for real. This is one of those like wisdom of Solomon type stories. So you know, this is this is the wise judge, and this is the role of a judge. And he said, "You are absolutely right. You should be paid." What? And he was like, "Clink your money." Uh-uh. And he did. And he's like, "That is your payment. The smell of fish is paid for by the sound of money." Oh. <laughs> okay. Again, this is what led us. And unfortunately, I went with the Japanese example just That's because it's so, so poetic and I like that story so, so much. I was going to say it's so messed up. It is poetic. It, it, is, it is poetic. And that was the whole point. But uh, again, it, it allows for a judge to rule on something that says, yes, what you did was wrong, but this is this is your punishment for it. And it, it it's not going to be it's going to be in proportion to the uh, effrontery of the sin. Right. Mm-hmm. As it were. So that was interesting. So what that brought us to is kind of now this conflict because you've got these Greeks and these Romans because the Greek and Roman kind of empires were kind of foremost, I guess, in the quote unquote Western world. And you've got Christian ethics kind of butting heads. And the Greeks and Romans, they prized independence, self-reliance, magnanimity, which is (laughs) magnanimity which is kind of this grandiose, like, I'm going to help you and I'm going to be because of my wisdom and, you know, whatever, and worldly success. These are the things they, they, they prized the most. Whereas the Christians, the Christians, they, um, they, they prized meekness, obedience, patience, and resignation. Hmm. So a Christian, to be humble is best. Whereas a Greek would say, but I'm awesome. I need to recognize my awesomeness. I need to embrace my awesomeness. Right. Which is, an, which is a complete difference. Right. And I think certainly the Western world is still kind of grappling with where we stand between those two things. It also seems very male and female to me. Yin and yang. Like one mm-hmm. is soft and one is very ego and like I'm more muscle and I'm better which is ironic because uh, uh yes, yeah nobody would necessarily accuse Christianity of being particularly effeminate I'm just saying if you forget their labels it right. seems very male female mm-hmm. no 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 and I I have a hard time arguing that but um which is certain... interesting because they've obvi- obviously like have transformed into other things well like Christians now are well, I'm going to say something terrible. It's it's too much of a blanket statement, but I'm just thinking about the fundamental Christians who are running the country in the United States. It's not very feminine. It and is, it's not particularly humble. No. It is downright egotistical. But that is the, the Greek influence on us to this day. Hmm. The Greek and Roman influence on us to this day. I don't know. I think it's just like morphed into some crazy... And again, yes, and we'll talk about that in in later future ethical episode. In later ethical dilemma, but uh, it it, (laughs) I I did find it. uh, You know what? We could have a whole podcast like every day, every week, just on the ethical dilemma. But we're just going to do a few. So we have a couple minutes left. What else? What else you got to say? That's most of what I wanted. (laughs) 
kind well, of handle inside right, of this so what one. do we do with this information what do we do with it it's 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 more about just we're we're trying to understand how we how we got where we are now and where we are now is there's a lot of weirdness difference and change and it's it's one of these things and, and it's one of these things actually christianity went through because as it turned out and something they don't necessarily teach is that literally like the initial disciples of jc they all thought that the end of the world was coming right now what do you like, mean right now in their lifetimes in their lifetime in their lifetimes which kind of really tweaks like how you behave it's it's one of those things like if you knew you were going to you only had one day left to live well how would you live differently and right. that's what they did because they believed that the world would be ending in 20 within 20 years 20 30 years really yes so they gave away Why? everything what made them think that way jc said i'm coming for you i'm coming back for you <laughs> so they took that as like ooh. I'm they, dead. They, like, they took I'm that as I'm coming for you soon. Ooh, like, like I'm coming for you. Like I'm coming to get you. Like before <laughs> you pass from this world, I will have come for you. But what does that mean? Like they obviously knew they did something wrong. No, not necessarily because they, because think... they were going to be ascending into, you know, nirvana, heaven, whatever you want to call it. So, but, but, but it, no, it dictated like. What I'm like, trying to ask you is, do you think they thought, oh crap, I'm going to get my butt handed to me? Or I'm coming for you. I'm gonna make your life better. I'm coming again. To like, I'm gonna make your life better, actually. But okay. it also meant that that any suffering you had in this world would be transitory, transient as far as for the rest of eternity, right? So all of a sudden you have, you know, the 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 rich disciples giving away everything they owned. You had, you know, the poor disciples embarking on various pilgrimages to spread the word and let everybody know that stuff was coming down and, and this is what it was. And it was incredibly selfless in that regard. So is this, they went through their own, what's uh, Marie Kondo? What's, what's that woman's name? Oh God. Does what's it bring you joy? <laughs> they Marie Kondoed everything. Well, yeah. Because, <laughs> Whatever. But, but I don't know. I'm what sure that is. the poor people around them were very appreciative of all the, <laughs> all the stuff, all the food, all the, everything else they got. Right. Right. And and that leads us into, you know, you'll see a lot of a selflessness and more as you get more and more, quote unquote, fundamental Christian. It is true. Stripped is down, it, bare bones Christian. Is it truly selflessness or are they just trying to do it because they're trying to get to a better place? And there you go. Well, so in, in this case, like, the better place was coming regardless of what they did. So like, why not do the good? Or like maybe they were like, I just need to unload my stuff. <laughs> we're moving. <laughs> Oh, I got too many books in the bookcase. We got to get rid of some. Are you putting stuff out on the curb saying for free? Not out of the kindness of your heart, but because you got to unload you don't your move junk. <laughs> nice. Anyway, how does this come back to friendship? I'm, I'm a little bit lost right now. I know. <laughs> Hopefully it'll all come together before it's all over. I mean, this is why I don't like these conversations because it just doesn't make me feel hopeful about humanity. It doesn't. It, it scares me. I don't like these ethical conversations, but I think it is important to discuss mm -hmm. because it it allows for truth to come out. Like when we first met, we would go out for coffee and talk about the ethical dilemma. Yes. And I would say, I would never. And you're like, yeah, you would. And then you would break it down. I'm like, oh, crap, maybe well, I would. Yeah, maybe I, I would do the unethical thing. I remember. It was always like, I wouldn't pose for Playboy for a million dollars. It's like, <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah, yep. I know your price tag's a lot lower than that when the rubber hits the road. Oh, my God. When somebody's got the greenbacks in front of you. But it's good to know that 
it's good to know for your own spirit what you 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 are capable of anything you never know you have to put yourself in other uh, people's shoes you have to be empathetic yes so very when much you, so when someone else when a friend out there does something wrong or uneth- unethical mm-hmm. when you have that unethical friend you can understand it better you can't judge because guaranteed you'll probably be in a similar situation at some point and then that feeling is terrible. Right. Like, oh, God, I'm here I am. Right. But once you understand that, then I think we're able to make better decisions based on the unethical friends. Yes. Right? Anyway, and that's the whole point is to understand each other. And so, therefore, we're going through this minutia of what is ethical and what is not ethical and who knows and who made up these rules anyway. It's all about really following love but it gets more complicated Always. when money comes into it and food comes into it and everything else that is wrapped up in the society and so that's why we're talking about this that's why the art of friendship is so good to remember because once we remember the art of friendship we know that hey we're not in it alone it's not so black and white there's always another option there's always a way to figure something out and there's always a way to proceed with kindness and friendliness to achieve something for the greater good. Right. Right. And of course the other part, other kind of key point for me is, you know, you never know what somebody's going through and you never know how your words will affect them for good and for bad. So for, for the love of whatever, you know, leave people with good feelings and not bad ones for the sake of love. Yeah. And you know, it happens. I mean, it's happening right now. There are friendships breaking, there are governments breaking. Everything is breaking down. But it's a wonderful opportunity to begin anew and to think about truly other possibilities. Instead of the possibilities, instead of the ways we've done things before, let's figure out a whole other possibility, whole other solution. So with that in mind, keep that in mind, and we'll talk to you in a few days. Please go to ourfriendlyworldpodcast.com, www.ourfriendlyworldpodcast.com. Please click on contact, reach out to me, that's my email, and let us know. Do you want to come on our show? Would you like to talk about this? Am I wrong? We're all wrong, we're all right. Call me out, it's all good. Yeah, all is well. We love you so much. Take care. Be well.